This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Shelley Anderson. And I found too that most times when people are learning sign language, you don't necessarily know where to start. Like, how do you start anything? Everything you're going to learn is so big and so broad. So um, making it bite-sized for families was really important to me. Um, So I would start with first signs, like basic needs. More, all done, water, sleep, help, things like that. Like very basic communication. And as parents would get more comfortable with that, then we could go into things like colors or toys or especially in the summer, outside signs. And my goal and encouragement for these families was always to take this sheet, do whatever you need with it. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's interview, I get to talk to Shelly from Notes to Live By. If you are not familiar with Notes to Live By, it is an amazing um, company, amazing business that Shelly has created that is focusing on sign language and Shelly is a music therapist, so sign language for music therapists, but also making it accessible for continuity of care. So obviously we're going to talk all about that. We also talk about how to use Pinterest as a business advertising strategy. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Shelly. If you do, you can let us know by leaving a review on iTunes or you can follow us on social media. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. I'd say I'm most active on Instagram. I like to try and do polls over there and um, get a dialogue going with you, the listeners. I want to know what you like, what you're enjoying, and um, yeah, what you're learning and what you want to learn from this show. You can reach me on the socials. Also, you can join our Facebook group where you're welcome to start or join a conversation about any of the podcast interviews. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you are interested in supporting the show on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. And lastly, please consider becoming um, a member of our newsletter so that you get some behind the scenes information as well as um, a sneak peek of some upcoming projects that I will be releasing soon. So please enjoy this interview with Shelly. 
Okay, Shelly, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you um, because everything you're doing is so important for our field and uh, you're helping so many people and I really am excited to hear about your vision. But to start us off, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself even outside of music therapy? Oh man, outside of music therapy. So um, I am a music therapist. I work in Indiana. I work for Mainstay Music Therapy and kind of run my business um, on the side. Outside of working, I am a foster mom to kittens, which I absolutely love. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see like sporadic kitten pictures pop up. Those are my babies. I have one cat of my own. Um, I like to be outside when it's warm, but don't do a lot once it's cold. So hit um, like really November, I don't go outside much. So I'll stay inside and do baking or I like to paint sometimes. Um, Yeah, but really big, big animal fan. Good. I uh, am also a very big animal fan. I will just say, if anyone wants to hear my story about me and my dog, Piper, you can listen to Creative Therapy Umbrella. I won't bore you here. But (laughs) yes, um, big animal fan. Cool. So can you tell us about how you found music therapy and your journey to now? Sure. So I, from a young age, knew that it had to be something with music. Um, I don't really like the other core subjects in school. That's not where my strengths are. So um, I grew up singing all the time. I've grown up in choirs. My family's pretty musical. Um, And I heard this song by Johnny Diaz that talked about a kid in his wheelchair and he sits and all of his friends are outside playing, but he's not able to go out with them. Um, And so he's sitting and he's watching out this window and it really just broke my heart. I was like, but why can't people play inside with him? Why can't he go out there? Um, So kind of held on to that for a while, didn't know what to do with it and shadowed an early childhood music teacher and thought, oop, this is it. She was like, you know, this is great, but I don't know that it's totally you. I don't know that this is really what you're going to do with your life, keep looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And right around that time was when Gabby Giffords, Congresswoman, got shot. And all the information started coming about her recovery process and the therapy she was in. And I heard about music therapy. I was like, oh, interesting. This, this could be something here. And from then on, I think I was a sophomore in high school. I was bound and determined to be a music therapist. I did any class project I could on it. I researched it. Um, And then here we are today. And it it absolutely is like my perfect job. It's so much fun. Ah, I love that. Um, I love that everyone's story is so different. And that's one that is like especially different than my own because I, I don't know how I ended up here is basically my story. And I love when people are like, I knew it and I like I chose it and I had a vision and I worked for it. And um, people who have like that sense of self and sense of direction are so inspiring to me. 
Yes, it it just fit. It it really did. Um, even through college, we were told, oh, you know, figure out who you want to work with, but know that that's going to change. Mm. You know, we all came in and most of us wanted to work with autism, intellectual disabilities. And they're like, yeah, that's great, but that's going to change. And I had my doubts then. And um, while I like other populations, I see the need, I see the benefit. Even then was intellectual and developmental disabilities are my people. It's who I love working with. Um, it's who makes me smile and laugh every day. So Aww. it's been it's been cool. Yeah. So what does I know times are still weird, but what does your your caseload kind of look like now with balancing um, working at Mainstay and also having your own stuff going on? Yeah. So luckily, I have an amazing boss who is really flexible with me. Um, May or Notes to Live By started as a private practice. I started as a contractor with her. Um, And so I kind of already had my own side thing going, but knew that I wanted to be an employee of Mainstay. I wanted to do it full time. So kind of my like layout is most of the time I'm doing stuff for Notes to Live By in the evenings. And um, maybe like on my lunch break or something, I'll make an Instagram post or I'll um, work on a project for something. And then the rest of my time is spent doing sessions. Um, Right now, I'm a little bit half and half. I'm part telehealth and part in-person. I have a really great caseload of people who have allowed that flexibility. And I do a lot of admin things with Mainstay. I'll do a lot of our intakes and paperwork things. And um, I've supervised students. So it kind of all mixes in together. Um, And my boss is really great and allows that balance. um, So I'm able to still get everything done. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot to take on, though, like working that much. And even with the flexibility, it's a lot of your time to balance and to navigate. It is. Um, That's been a little bit of something I've been working through with COVID. Mm. When COVID hit, I feel like we all had that kind of huge response of, oh my gosh, like what, what is this? What is happening? And um, kind of trying to take on that with everything else. I really had to figure out some sort of work-life balance, Mm. some sort of, I am not going to do this at all times. I am going to go sit in my kitten room and I'm not going to work. I'm not going to be on social media, (laughs) Um, which has been good. I can't say I have like a real great system for it, but I'm kind of just trying to follow my instincts of, you know what, it's okay to lay on my couch right now. It's okay not to have posted to Instagram for a week because I was busy with other things or it was just too much. Um, so it's been a journey, but just kind of trying to find my intuition on it. Yeah. I love that. I especially love that you said cat room. Um, when I was in my internship, I was at a state hospital and, you know, the only people I interacted with were the patients and the staff there. And so I volunteered at an animal shelter And instead of having their cats in um, separate cages, they had rooms 
and one of them was the kitten cottage and like same thing i would go and just sit on the floor and have like 20 kittens to play with <laughs> and uh it was it was so therapeutic and so important for me to take that time each week to to volunteer and socialize the cats but also for myself to be doing something that made me feel good and productive but that was um more nurturing to my brain and to my emotional well-being yes oh my gosh I love that kitten cottage that's mm-hmm. the cutest name too oh yeah we had the kitten yeah. cottage uh we had like a, a an adolescent cat room and then we had two full adult cat cottages that also had catios so a patio for cats and they could like oh go outside and watch the birds um, it's a really amazing shelter. If anyone's in Pennsylvania, check out the Animal Resource Center. Adopt a cat there, a dog. They're, they're wonderful people. <laughs> oh, anyway. That's amazing. Yeah, I digress. So Notes to Live By started as a private practice. So tell us about that evolution. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. It's so funny. So even before Notes to Live By came about, my dad would be drive me back and forth from college and uh he's like okay Shelly like really you could own your own business like (laughs) you could do it and I'm like oh hard no absolutely (laughs) not I want nothing to do with my own business I don't know how to make a business I don't know how to run a business I'm not in any business classes it's not gonna happen and then fast forward of course here we are and I love it but um it started with um, internship, got board certified, moved back home to Williamsburg, Virginia. And there aren't really pre-established jobs. If you want to be a music therapist there, you really do have to pave your own path. Um, so kind of started my own private practice, started trying to set things up there. I had another music therapist who moved and let me take over her position. And that was when No Syllabi was truly born. We got everything official on the books and who not. Um, and then I moved to Indiana to contract for mainstay. And it kind of was just music therapy at that point until I had a client's mom who had just agreed to learn sign language and agreed to let me use more sign language in her daughter's sessions. But she looked at me and she's like, Shelly, you know, I, I don't really know how this is going to work. It's great that you can teach her communication in sessions, but I'm not in there. Mm. I still don't know what she's staying at home or like she can come home and sign to me. And I don't know what that means. And it really hit me. And I was like, Oh snap. Like this is applicable for anyone I'm working with right now. Like they're learning everything in session or they're even learning it in school but there are no resources being sent home to parents that I'm aware of to let them know what their child is learning and to be able to learn it and recognize it themselves. And that was when um, it kind of grew the idea for sign sheets, which is when I really felt like this is it. This is what I want notes to live by to be Mm. is yes, music therapy, but making what we're doing accessible to everybody, accessible to their families. Um, so sign sheets were born, which was super fun. Yeah, I 
I so resonate with what you said because as a contracted person myself, that continuity of care element drives me bonkers because I will technically write, I'm on this team of other specialists and I will reach out to speech or to OT and just say like, hey, what are you doing to address this? And like, how can I make sure I'm doing something similar? So it it um, generalizes. And it's so hard to coordinate that and get an answer. And like you said, at home is the most important place for those, those skills to be practiced and for um, the parents and guardians to be involved so that they also know what's going on and can work towards those goals. Uh, I want to take a step back before we talk about sign sheets because I didn't ask what initially got you into American Sign Language. Oh, yeah. So um, I think it was middle school. I met someone in my class who was deaf and we ended up having a class together. I think it was science. And I just watched his interpreter the entire time and thought it was the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. Um, so it really kind of sparked my interest right then and there. Um, they both were so great in kind of teaching us words and kind of simple phrases so that we could communicate. Um, and that lasted through, we were in high school together as well. And then when I got to um, college, I decided that I wanted to minor in it. Um, so I took four, I think it was four semesters of American Sign Language and really learned all of the ins and outs. And I saw over the summers, um, I worked at a summer camp for children with disabilities and I was able to use it there and how much more they understood when you paired the sign language with it. Um, that it just, it grew my love for it, but it was really, it was born there in middle school watching his interpreter. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so cool. I took a, a wee bit of sign language in college. I wouldn't say I retained most of it, but it was also one of those things where, like, I, I'm so fascinated by it and gr glad that I had the experience. But, um, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And that skill isn't so much there for me anymore. But your sign sheets are bringing it back. I look at them and I'm like, oh, yeah, like that that's the thing I learned and that's how I use it. And uh, so tell us more about your sign sheets. Yes. So they were originally born specifically for that one client whose parent identified, you got to give me something. You got to help me use this at home. Um, so what they are is they're pictures of me doing a sign with sometimes a note underneath it um, because sign language is a visual language. It's not meant to be put on paper, which is why it's um, not usually found on paper until recently as more people are trying to learn it. Um, but it's also hard to read on paper sometimes. So be a picture of me. There'll be arrows showing which way the sign goes, exact hand placement, and then sometimes if it needs a note underneath, it'll have the word and a little note about how to do it at the bottom. Um, and I found, too, that most times when people are learning sign language, you don't necessarily know where to start. Like, how do you start anything? Everything you're going to learn is so big and so broad. So um, making it bite size for families was really important to me. Um, so I would start with first signs, like basic needs, 
more all done water sleep help things like that like very basic communication um and as parents would get more comfortable with that then we could go into things like colors or toys or especially in the summer outside signs and my goal and encouragement for these families was always to take this sheet do whatever you need with it like I encourage you to have clothing signs posted above the dresser and outside signs go outside like I will laminate them for you and put them out there or food signs go in the kitchen that way when your child walks up to you signing something you're like "Ooh." I recognize that, but I don't have it memorized yet. I can't quite pull out what they're saying. You just look up, there's the sign sheet. You can match the picture to what they're doing and you know exactly, oh, my kid wants to go swimming right now or, oh, my kid needs a banana. Um, And it just cuts down on the tantrum. So I encourage them, like, cut them up, put them on a binder ring, give them to the babysitter, post them somewhere, like, do whatever you need to do. Yeah, I feel like um, that might seem like such a simple step, but you said it, the putting it in the location. I went, oh my gosh, yeah, because in my mind it was like, oh, this sheet and I get this sheet and like I practice it or I use it or I have it as reference. But it didn't even occur to me that like this is also sign flashcards and like just sign reference in general that shouldn't remain on this sheet. Um yeah, I'm sure other people that immediately came to them. But for me, it's like, well, duh, put it put it in the kitchen, Trisha. That would make sense. So, yeah. That's a response that I've heard from a lot of people, actually. It's a lot of times you get resources and you need to absorb them right then. Mm. And then you can go put it into practice, which is how I learned. It was my teacher was up at the front of the classroom. She taught signs. We absorbed them. We did a workbook and we left. Um, but for people who don't memorize well, myself included, what are you supposed to do with that afterwards? Your teacher can't follow you around, so how are you supposed to remember the sign? Or you can see the sign, recognize it, but can't quite pull out the word for it. Mm. My hope is that these sheets are the segue to you no longer have to memorize every single sign in order to be able to use them. Yeah. I have a really random question that just popped into yeah. my head. So um, I took a lot of Spanish in like high school and a little bit in college. And I remember one of my teachers saying, you know, you're starting to master the language when you have a dream in that language. Have you ever had a dream in sign language? <laughs> oh, man, that's so interesting. <laughs> You know, I don't know that I have. Not that you are not a master, just like, no. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't think I have. I've had dreams that, like, about um, work, and I, like, did the wrong signs or something, <laughs> or I put I did the paper wrong, but I don't know that I've ever, in my dream, been signing with somebody. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Ah, keep me posted. Yeah, will do. <laughs> so you're also putting together a ton of other offerings through Notes to Live By. So tell us about all the other stuff you're doing. Yeah. So um, with sign sheets came 
one-on-one meetings with people where I will meet with them one-on-one and I call it um, like your first 100 words. Mm. So I can give those to you and over three different meetings, we'll go through the list of first 100 words by category, of course. So hopefully they're a little easier to remember. Um, Or people can bring me signs, phrases, songs at this point even that they're wanting to learn and put into practice so that way it's not just for beginner signers if you're more advanced but not quite sure how to do something you can still bring that and meet with me and we'll go over it together Um, so that's something I'm really excited about and has fit in super nicely Mm -hmm. with this over the web world right now (laughs) Um, so that's been pretty cool Um, And we've started getting into trying to teach music or teach children's books or teach things that educators and therapists, even parents are using more. So I've been doing free, I call them sign and sing. Mm. Um, So one we did was um, like Carrie Underwood's Love Wins. And we meet online, we go over the chorus, I break it down for somebody who's never seen sign language in their life up to, hey, this is like an alternate way of signing it for those who are more advanced. Um, When we meet online, it's free. Every month we'll do something different, um, which has been really exciting for me to see other people learning it, particularly that love wins. It was just super encouraging, heartwarming to see a group of other peers singing that ultimately love is going to win. The world is upside down right now, but singing and signing is just so expressive. To see all of them signing that was just magical. I'm so glad you used the word expressive because uh, this YouTube video, I'll say, from a long time ago keeps popping into my head where the um, interpreter had developed this sign method, I guess I'll say, where she she would go to concerts and interpret the music. And they did a side by side of like just the traditional interpretation of music where she's just doing the signs of the words and like during the instrumental parts she kind of just hangs and then during her method where she's like she's rocking out she's using her body expressively like she's using her mouth to kind of like mouth the instrument sounds so I don't know if you've ever seen that or if you have thoughts on those two different ways of signing with music but tell me tell me what you think yes absolutely um I don't know that I've seen that video particularly but there's one interpreter and Unfortunately, I don't know her name off the top of my head, um, but she does a lot of like Macklemore concerts or um, big pop music. It's loud. There's a lot happening in it. And it's so much fun to watch them sign it because they do. They're so animated with it. Um, And in sign language, you have to be. So there's the like technicalities of it like you have an open hand shape you place it directly on your chin like it's facing you or facing away which is great and absolutely needed and so so important but the body language of it your affect is almost more important sometimes so for somebody watching a concert 
we probably wouldn't pay to go to them if the singer is just going to stand there and sing their song and it's lovely and we like it, but they're just standing there. Like it's not exciting. They're Mm. not excited about it. We're not excited about it. And so it's always so much fun to watch interpreters go and interpret concerts because they are just as excited to be there and they really bring that high energy that we as hearing people enjoy to the deaf community and um and are able to show that energy through their body language is just huge yeah I will try and find that video I was talking about or at least one from uh the person you mentioned so that people can see what the what the heck I'm saying because this is obviously audio so (laughs) (laughs) just trying to make my voice do the things my body is also doing the reverse right. of sign language, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Absolutely. So uh, are there any other Notes to Live By projects that you want to talk about? Sure. So I've just launched one recently. I am now consulting on Pinterest. Woo. And yes, that is how I feel about it, too. I'm so excited about it. Pinterest has been one of my favorite things for a while that I just um, stored ideas on and got inspiration from and um, dove really far into it um, over the last couple months and saw how much it can benefit businesses and how much business it can actually drive back. Um, to the website, to the podcast, to whatever it is you're putting out into the world for people to find. Um, there, I'll just say there's a right and a wrong way to do it. There's not really a wrong way to do it. That's not super fair statement. Um, but I found that there's a really right way to do Pinterest um, so that people are finding what you want them to. Um, I was just posting some stats from Pinterest that I found and found that it was like the third largest social network in the U.S. Wow. Which, yeah, I had no idea. Um, so you think about like how big Facebook and Instagram are and then there's Pinterest. So you're, you're accessing so many more people than I think any of us really realize. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I am a Pinterest user, but have not really dove into it for podcast related things. Uh, But I'm interested in doing that because like you said, it is, it's an effective marketing strategy and it's free to just put stuff out Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, It's extra work to do it, but it's not extra content. So the content Mm. that you're already putting out there that's already on your website, already on a blog, Facebook, Instagram, throw it on Pinterest, um, use Pinterest's algorithm to your advantage and make sure it's visual because this is a visual search engine. Um, So if you just post a paragraph up there, it's not as likely to get as many repost because it's super visual people want bright and exciting Mm. um and then all of a sudden your pinterest is driving back business to you and all you had to do was put it on a different social platform yeah so do you have any like quick pinterest 
Pinterest tips. Ooh, that's a tongue twister. Any quick Pinterest tips you want to share? Yeah, sure. So biggest one, make sure your links work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Seems super like intuitive or self-explanatory, but I go on a lot of people's Pinterest and I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Click and website not found. I'm like, oh no, but now I really want this resource. So absolutely make sure your links work. Go back, have your friends check on it or log in under your personal account and make sure it really is connecting how you think it is. Um, And then a lot of people don't realize you can have sub boards or like subcategories to help make finding things easier. So um, one of my favorite things right now is motor goals. I have a lot of people who have motor needs on my caseload. And so I might have like a motor board and then within that board, fine motor and a different one, gross motor. Um, And something my next project today actually is to like have another category within that that's gross motor cards. Um, something my kids are loving right now. And that way somebody can be like, okay, I found this really awesome thing that Shelly reposted. These cards are so cute. I want to find more of them. And I know she uses them. Boom. There's a board right there for them without having to weed through everything else that I've posted. Wow. I didn't know you could make sub boards. I will have to play with that feature. Yeah. Oh, so cool. You're opening up my brain to the possibilities. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. You're doing so much. You're like, I don't know how, how, how you're balancing all this. You're, and you're so excited about it, which I love. I love hearing people's passion when they talk about their projects. So I just feel like from talking to you, you're just in this creative flow and you're just like, here's an opportunity and you're going with it. And here's an opportunity which you're going with it. And I I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, I've heard, uh, I think Stephanie Lovell said it. Um, she's an idea person Mm. and, um, I've gotten to talk with her so much over the past several months. Um, and just watching what she's doing with her business. And it's been so inspiring. She's like, I'm an idea person and I throw it out there and do it. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, when I, I'm a very excitable person in general. Um, so when I'm super excited about something, I just want other people to know about it. And so I started trying to channel that a little bit more and, giving it a path so that other people can be excited about it. Other people can actually find it and hopefully learn something. Yeah. I love that. I think a lot of us are also watching Stephanie and being like, Oh, like this is possible and sustainable and, you know, accessible to so many more of us than we ever thought. So, Hey, Stephanie, if you're listening, we appreciate you and uh, your vision and your mentorship. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Do you have anything else you want to dive into? Oh, man. Um, I don't think so. I think really um, my hope is that this inspires somebody to learn ASL or dive into Pinterest. And um, yeah, I hope it just opens up some doors for learning. Yes. 
And obviously, everyone should check out your website for resources on both those things. Do you have any other resources on either of those topics that you want to share or that it's like start here and go from there? Um, I recommend starting on my email list. So I send out free monthly newsletters that um, particularly right now around the holiday season, they're going to be holiday signs. They're going to be sometimes different resources of here's how I'm using them. Sometimes it's just here's a whole bunch of signs. Use them creatively however you do. Um, But typically they're in a sign sheet form and then also in a video form because it is a visual language. Mm. Um, So I try to really make sure I'm respecting the language in that way. So there's typically a video with it. Um, and that just kind of, I'm hoping it does at least open up bite-sized pieces of signing um, and builds people's confidence with it so that then they say, okay, I can sign. It's not the most scary thing I've ever seen. And then they can go pick out sign sheets or ask me signs or whatever it may be um, to start going by different categories and really integrating it more. Um, so yeah, I would say start with my email list and it's just free, free signs, free learning there. Awesome. Yes. I, I also recommend that your, your emails are awesome and very informative. I had another random question pop into my head. Um, because you said respecting the language and you mentioned uh, the term deaf culture before. So in my uh, sign classes in college, I remember once the teacher said, if you ever encounter two people having a conversation in sign language and say they are in a hallway and the only way to get by them is to walk in between them or to ask one of them, you know, to excuse me kind of a thing. She said in the deaf culture, it's preferred that you walk in the middle of them um, because if you were to ask one of them to move, you would interrupt the conversation. Where if you just walked between them, they can continue their conversation. So do you have any other um, deaf culture tips or advice that uh, hearing people wouldn't know otherwise? Sure. Yes, that's so true. Um, I think general things like while, yes, it at least I believe, is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Don't stare at them. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like you really are eavesdropping on their conversation, even if you don't know what they're saying. So as uncomfortable as it is for us to be stared at, they are equally as uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So not staring at them. Um, If somebody comes up to you and um, you've identified that they're deaf and they're asking for something try your best to understand them with their language. Um, A lot of them are super flexible um, and will make it as accessible as possible for you. They're not just going to sign as fast as they can and hope that you catch it. Um, But really try to communicate with them as best you can. If you know a little bit of sign language, let them know that. or ask them to sign slowly before you just immediately rip out the pen and paper and say, here, Mm. like make it easier for me, write it down. Mm. Um, So respecting them in that way. And then um, one of my friends in high school thought this was the coolest thing. So um, we know that we have all of our senses 
but when you take one of them away, the other senses are heightened. So when you take the ability to hear away, they're able to see um, more clearly than we are a lot of times. They're also able to feel a lot more. Hmm. So um, like if I needed my friends, or I guess wanted my friends' attention across the room in high school, we're in the library, I can't throw something at him. I would just stomp on the floor and across the room, he can feel that and will look up and look for who's trying to get his attention. Um, so just like, I feel like just knowing that is important. Um, screaming at them does not help. <laughs> Talking louder does not help. Mouthing your words does not help because that is not how your mouth shape typically looks. Mm. Um, so that's not helpful. I know we feel like it is, but it's not. Um, ah, I, I feel like I could go on for days, yeah. but um, those I, are some bite-sized ones. I could listen to you for days and just absorb so much of this information. Uh, another one that popped into my head what has your experience been now that masks are our new normal? It, um, it's different. Yeah. It's really different. So I, um, I have great hearing, but find that I read lips a lot too. Um, so it's been really interesting taking away even just my ability to see somebody's mouth moving, I find that I have to concentrate so much harder on what they're saying. Um, so then translate that into the deaf community. I would, and I am just assuming here, I would assume that that's like 12 times harder for them also. Mm. Um, not all of them can read lips, but some of them do. And so that accessibility has been taken away. Um, but it's also covering up I would even say most of our affect mm. and it's such an expressive language. Like you are not speaking while signing because that's rude. Um, when you're communicating with the deaf, it is voices off. Um, you, yeah, it's considered rude to speak and sign. Um, but your mouth is still moving. It's still making shapes. It's still um, utterances, I guess. And you take, all of that away and you're left with eyebrows and eyes moving and there's just so much lost. So I feel like I've been extra animated um, with my clients who are deaf or hard of hearing, trying to still give them that body language back. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've experimented a little bit with the, the clear panel masks but I find that since I am constantly singing, the fog is just like it just fogs up and never clears itself because mm. there's constantly condensation coming out of my mouth. Yeah. 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 I um, am actually about to potentially get somebody on my caseload who needs almost exclusively signing. Um, and I've thought about getting that one of those masks but I'm worried about the yeah. fog aspect of it and if I just need to go with maybe a face shield instead or something yeah I mean that's just my experience I know people have had different experiences but sure yeah 
I guess if you have more breaks in your sessions than I have, it probably wouldn't be as big of a deal. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Where it's selective times with the clients who need it most. Or... Yeah, yeah. Oh, hmm. I have learned so much. I, I'm going to ask again just because I'm sure you have more. Do Any other tips you want to share? Any other things that are coming to your mind? Um, I think I think we've covered a lot of what I was hoping to share. Awesome. I'm glad. Um, I hope I didn't go too off the rails for you. No, definitely not. Alrighty. So are you ready for the rapid fire questions? I am. Okay. The first one is coffee or tea? I'm a definite tea drinker. Good. Early bird or night owl? I am a night owl. I do not like the mornings. <laughs> My college roommate and I actually made a pact together that we would not be offended if the other person did not acknowledge our presence until they had had a shower, breakfast, and potentially one class. And then we can acknowledge each other's preference or presence because we're just, you're not morning people. Wow. Oh, kitty introduction. Hi, cat. <laughs> I love that. The listeners can't see it, but there's just a cat that hopped up. Um, that's awesome that you had a roommate that you guys could communicate that clearly with each other and respect each other's needs. Yes, it was much needed. Awesome. Something you would tell your younger self? So um, I have been preparing for this question, and I just feel like there's so many things that mm. I would want to like go back and know. I'm such a perfectionist. Um, and so being a music therapist, of course, a song came to mind. Mm. Um, it was, if I could write a letter to me by Brad Paisley and, um, I'll just give like, this is snippets from just parts of the song, but, um, you've got so much going for you going right. But I know at 17, it's hard to see past Friday night. There's so much up ahead. You'll make new friends. You should see your kids and wife. Have no fear. These are nowhere near the best years of your life. I wish you wouldn't worry and let it be. Have a little faith and you'll see. And I feel like that's that's absolutely what I would want to know if I could like go back and tell myself growing up is, you know, high school is not the end all be all. It's not the best years of your life. I feel like we hear so much that like, you're never going to relive your college days, like make it count. And while sure you should, but again, it's not the end all be all amazing things happen once you're in the workforce, amazing things happen once you're um, living your adult life outside of being tested every week and uh working abnormal hours and stuff um so it's just it's not always the end all be all it's not always that this is going to be the best time use it or lose it yeah I like that your music therapy elevator speech so I feel like I'm the typical music therapist who says um, music therapy uses non-musical goals to address um, or uses music to address non-musical goals. And then I try to make it person specific. So if they see me at work, I'll give an example for um, their child 
Like if I could wave a magic wand, what would I address? And then I tell them how I would likely address it then. If um, not, then I typically go to speech goals. Um, I'll usually use the song happy. You know, you say the word happy 20 different times in that song. So sure, I could hold up a flashcard and say happy, get that H. But that's no fun at all. Or you could just <laughs> sing the song and get 20 repetitions of <clears throat> your H sound. And it's so much more fun. Um, so we use the music that is most motivating. If that's lullabies, if that's kids music, if it's hard rap, if it's, you know, anything, that's the music we're going to use because that's the music that's going to motivate them to um, work on whatever they want. I love Get that H. Yep. (laughs) Your favorite self-care practice. So really, I think it's um, the animal shelter, whether Mm. that's sitting in the kitten room or going down there. Um, I'm also a dog handler and just taking somebody on a walk or Um, even just doing the laundry there, like it's a helping profession still. So I'm aware of compassion fatigue and making sure that I'm also incorporating other things, but I feel that that is what rejuvenates me the most. And I also don't have to people. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I like going and sitting quietly with a dog and not having to be on at all times, making sure I'm saying the right things or doing the right things, or I forgot to send that email. Um, so it's something about them. They just instantly connect sometimes and they're so excited to see you and you're so excited to see them and no words have been said. Yeah. Well, obviously I relate to that because of my prior story. <laughs> Something that's currently adding value to your life? Um, I would say game nights. I've gotten to attend a few game nights with some trusted friends. Um, and I just, I grew up playing card games and board games and I love them so much. Um, so getting to do game nights and I've, Again, I'm such an animal person. Um, I've had a steady flow of kittens for the past few months. Um, So really getting to see, you know, they come in as um, barn kittens, dirty, hissy little things, and getting to watch them uh, not be quite so hissy and grow up. It just, um, it's magical. I love it. Yeah. Do you know how to play cribbage? I don't. That's a, a board game that um, I would say most older people <laughs> play, but that I learned young and would play with my friends because I would teach them. Um, anyway, Cribbage is a fun game. It's like Noted. half strategy, half luck. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Fun. All right. Something. Oh, I already asked that question. <laughs> Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Um, So I had mentioned gross motor cards, which I do so highly recommend. They're so much fun. It's um, like some of my favorites are the holiday season ones. You'll like 
roll like a snowman or twirl like a snowflake, march like a nutcracker. Um, and they're also telehealth friendly, which is important mm. right now. Um, so I'll use an, a pentatonic song or something without words, depending on what they need, that's still upbeat music. And I'll just hold up the card and they'll dance it out. And I'll usually match their emotions. Um, I don't always want to start the movements because I want to see their creative minds at work. And mm. um, they come up with some pretty cool, pretty cool twirl motions or an interesting new way to roll. <laughs> so it's fun. Yes, I agree with that. All right. The last question is how and where can listeners find and connect with you? Sure. So I am notes two, the number two, live by. And I am on that name for Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. It's also my website. Um, so kind of dependent on what you're looking for. My Instagram and Pinterest are the most active, um, but I'm easily reached through any of them. Awesome. And obviously start at the website so you can sign up for Shelly's newsletter. I will have all of that linked in the show notes so that everyone can find it. Um, everything you're creating, like I said, is awesome. And I, I can't wait to see what else you put out into the world and to learn because I, I have learned so much in this conversation and I feel like I could just sit here, like not even interview style, just you talk, Shelly. I'm going to observe and take in all the information. <laughs> Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for making the time to be on the show and to share with the listeners. Yes, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You <laughs> Bye. Bye. I learned so much in that conversation and I hope you did too. I just totally honest when I said I could just sit there and absorb information and just keep saying, tell me more. What else about this and this and this? I think that the resources Shelly is creating are awesome. Her passion for um, serving her clients and their families and creating accessible resources for them is so inspiring and She's honestly a joy to talk with. So definitely get on Shelly's newsletter, um, find her on social media, and see how you can start incorporating sign into your clinical or personal practice. You know, if you practice some of these signs and have some base knowledge, I'm sure there will be a situation sometime in the future where that will serve you. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Consider leaving us a rating and reviewing. Find us on social media. All of that good stuff. Um, and if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please send an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Our quote this week comes from Signing Time, and it reads, I believe everyone should know a little sign language just as most people know a little Spanish. Mm -hmm.